the single greatest gift that Christ's followers can give to the people around us is this. It's an introduction to the God who created them, who loves them, and who has a purpose for their lives. And isn't that what evangelism really is all about? Evangelism is really constantly watching, constantly looking for ways to give the single greatest gift to someone who's living far from God. Let me quickly review with you two key concepts that we learned this past week through our readings. And so the first key concept is this. It's be willing to enter the zone of the unknown. And if you have your bulletins, um, this week we decided to put, it, uh, put the sermon outline in the back of your bulletin so you can fill in the blank there. Be willing to enter the zone of the unknown. And let me just uh, draw a diagram to help us um, better understand this concept. This is our circle of comfort. This is where our friends are. This is where it's easy to relate. This is where we talk story and we laugh and we tell jokes. This is where there's no threats. This is where it's safe and comfortable. This is the zone of the unknown. This is where perhaps someone might be feeling alone. This is where perhaps someone might need a word of encouragement. This is perhaps where someone might need a friend. And whether you're aware of it or not, many of us spend a majority of our time in our circle of comfort. And we've been trained that way. We've been trained to avoid the zone of the unknown at all costs. And not only have we been trained, we teach our children that, don't we? We say to our children, stranger danger. Don't talk to strangers. Stay with your teacher, we say. And rightly so. We live in a world where it's absolutely necessary. But interestingly, now that we're adults, in order to survive in the marketplace, we actually have to unlearn what we've learned as a child. And more so as Christ's followers. You see, in order to give away the single greatest gift to someone living far from God, we need to leave our circle of comfort Walk across the room and enter the zone of the unknown. It's in the zone of the unknown where God does his best work. But here's the problem. The problem is that most of us are stuck right here. And we need to get unstuck. We need to leave our circle of comfort. Walk across the room. And enter the zone of the unknown. 
That's the first just walk across the room concept that you learned in your reading. The second walk, just walk across the room concept is this. And you can fill in your blank in your outline. It's listen for the Spirit's promptings. Listen for the Spirit's promptings. In order for us to be effective in the zone of the unknown, we must be led by the Spirit. We must listen to the Spirit's promptings. Church, if you want to experience excitement and adventure in your life, this is it. Listen for the Spirit's prompting and act upon it. And you, might be, and you might be asking, how do I do this? How do I listen for the Spirit's prompting? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. And one of the many roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives he is that he is a gentle guide. He gently guides us. And how does he gently guide us? Oftentimes it's through promptings or impressions or thoughts or nudges. And so the question becomes, how do I know if this thought or if this impression is from the Holy Spirit or if it's just me and, and, and something that I ate last night? How do I know that it's really the Holy Spirit's prompting? Here's what I say to that. Just test it out. As long as it does no harm to you or others, I would say act on the prompting. Give expression to the impression. And don't worry too much about whether you're right or wrong. Just assume that it's a prompting of the Holy Spirit and act upon it and see what happens. Sometimes you get it right. And sometimes you get it wrong. Here's a story of when I got it wrong. Last year, last year uh, a few of us, we went to Philadelphia for a conference. And we had a very nice dinner, and it was late in the evening. And we're heading back to the hotel. And it's kind of a chilly night. And there's this lady, a homeless lady on the sidewalk. And as we approach her, she says to us, Sir, sir. Do you have a dollar that you can spare? And all of us walked past her. And, and, and I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, go into 7-Eleven and purchase a hot chocolate and a sandwich for her. And so I'm excited at the opportunity to be able to be used by God. And so I go into 7-Eleven and I purchase this cup of hot chocolate and this sandwich. And I come out, and I look for this homeless lady, and I find her, and I say, Ma'am, ma'am, I'd like to bless you with some hot chocolate and with a sandwich. And the lady looks at me, and she says, Come on, man, I don't want food. I want money. And I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. And so I took my hot chocolate and I cut my coffee, and I had my, my tail between my legs, and I walked away. <laughs> I was wrong. I thought I heard from the Holy Spirit. And so 
I tested it out. I put action to the prompting. But I was wrong. But that's okay. You see, what's the worst that happened? The worst that happened was that this woman chose not to receive a wonderful blessing. And I don't sulk about it. Guess what I do? I reflect and I learn and I tuck away or I file away this experience in, the, in my memory. Then guess, guess what? Over time, I have these experiences tucked away, filed away in my memory. And then the next time, I'll be better able to discern if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's just me. Here's a story of when I got it right. In 2003, my buddy Vince and I, we were um, in Japan. We were doing a missions trip. And this was Osaka, Japan. And we had a sister church there. And, and our job was to provide some training and encouragement to this sister church. And so we arrived in Osaka uh, a few days early. And so we decided to play tourist. And the church was so nice and gracious. The church uh, provided us with an interpreter. His name, we called him Yosh. And Yosh was an awesome guy. And on our first day in Osaka, Yosh says, Hey guys, I got to go to work. You're on your own. And we're like, what? No. And so Vince and I thought, okay, we'll just go exploring. And so we were at the train station. And you have to understand that my greatest fear is, to, is, is getting lost. That's my greatest fear, getting lost. And so I nearly have a panic attack. There are trains here and there, trains everywhere. There's people here and there, people everywhere. And I thought that this would be my worst nightmare. And so Vince, he convinces me to hop on this train. I don't know where we're going. We're hop, we hop on this train, and it's crowded with people. And so Vince and I are holding on. I'm holding on for dear life. And so we're holding on. And both of us look down at the same time. And we see this young Japanese lady reading an English novel. And both Vince and I look up at the same time. We look at each other, and we both felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to engage this lady in conversation. And so I look at Vince, and Vince looks at me, and I go, and Vince goes, and I'm like, come on. He's like, no, you go. The problem was that we were both chicken. And so... I bust out my comb, and I brush my hair, and then I, and I, and I say, hey, ma'am, are you learning English? And she says, oh, yes, learning English. And I'm like, wow, is that a good book? Yes, very good book. And, I, and we learned that her name is Mika, and um, we tried really hard to engage in conversation, but it was tough because uh, her English wasn't that good, and it was broken English. And so, we, but we did learn that her name was Mika. And then finally, Mika, she asks us, where are you from? And I, and I thought, yes, this is a question we've been waiting for. And Vince says, 
Yes, we are missionaries from the United States of America here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Japan. I'm like, calm down, cowboy. And I said, Mika, church, you come church on Sunday? And she, go, and she understood. She said, church? Oh, okay. Where? Where church? And I look at Vince. Hey, where's the church? Vince looks like, I don't know. I thought you knew. I'm like, no, I thought you knew. And we kept dialoguing. We didn't know where the church was. And then Mika stands up and she says, okay, my stop. Bye bye. I'm like, no, no. And she walks out of the train. And we were bummed. We didn't get the opportunity to share the love of Christ with her. That was our first day in Osaka, Japan. On our second day in Osaka, Japan, our interpreter Yo says, Guys, I'm off today. Let's go and I'll take you around Osaka. And I'm like, Great, now you're available. And so Yosh takes us to the train station, and I nearly have an anxiety attack. Trains here and there, trains everywhere, people here and there, people everywhere. And so we hop on this train. And a few stops later, guess who shows up on the train? Mika. She walks on the train. Now, you, some of you might think, gosh, that's coincidence. But if you were there, and if you saw the amount of people and the amount of trains that there are, and if you saw, there's just, a possi- there's just no possible way, slim to none, that you would ever see another person for the second time like that. I believe God was at work. And so we introduced Mika to Yosh. And Yosh explains to Mika where the church is. And Mika shows up on Sunday. And she is introduced to the God who created her, who loves her, and who has a purpose for her life. Listen for the Holy Spirit's promptings and act upon it. You will not be disappointed. There's nothing more exciting than witnessing God at work. You will be blessed and the person will be blessed. And most importantly, you will experience the thrill of being used by God. And so that's our two just walk across the room concepts this past week. Be willing to enter the zone of the unknown and listen for the Spirit's promptings. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at a passage of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at this wonderful story. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. John chapter 4, verse 3. Let me turn there. All right, it says this. The Bible says this. It says, He, or Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Underline those words in your Bible, had to. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. There's a lot of places 
it can be a confusing passage of Scripture. Let me just map this out. If I map this out, I think you'll appreciate this uh, story much more. And so here we go. Just give me a second to map this out for you. So this is um, Israel during the time of Jesus. This would be Judea. And then we would have Samaria here. And we would have uh, Galilee here. And Sikar probably be right about here. Sikar. And um, let me just draw some water. This is, this is ocean. This is water. Sea, actually. The Mediterranean Sea. And then here we have, anyone know? Sea of Galilee. Anyone know what this sea is about here? Let's see. Uh, about here, I guess. Dead, the Dead Sea, yes. Anyone know what river this is? Yes, the Jordan River. Now, re- beyond the Jordan River is, uh, is a region that's called, known as Perea. Let me just write this here. Perea. And just to give you context, um, let's see. Probably right about here is uh, Bethlehem, uh, Jerusalem, and over here is probably uh, Nazareth. Remember Nazareth? Jesus was the Nazareth of Galilee. Okay, so that's our, um, the map of our text this morning. Now, it says that Jesus and his disciples, the 13 of them, were on their way from Judea to Galilee. Now, in between Judea and Galilee is a region called Samaria. All of us know from our math class that the shortest distance between two objects is a straight line. But unfortunately, this straight line brings them through Samaria. And in Samaria is where the Samaritan people live. And the Jewish people disliked the Samaritans, and that's to put it mildly. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans. The Jewish people despised the Samaritans. They, the Samaritans were to be avoided at all costs. And so any respectable Jew of that day, they would do this. Instead of taking this direct route from Judea to Galilee, they would take this much longer and more treacherous eastern route, which would require them to cross the Jordan River and go through Perea and then head into Galilee. All this just to avoid Samaria, just to avoid the Samaritan people. But the text says something very interesting. The text says that Jesus had to, had to go through Samaria. Jesus didn't have to go to Samaria. Like any other respectable Jew, Jesus could have taken the eastern route. The word had to in the Greek carries with it this sense of inner compulsion, of inner necessity, this idea that perhaps it was the Father's will, that it was the Father's plan for him to travel through Samaria. Isn't that kind of what we learned this morning? Listen for the Spirit's 
promptings. Isn't that cool? And so listen to the text again with me, and you'll appreciate it a lot more. It says that Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And then verse 6, it says this, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Can you picture the scenario with me? So Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling from Judea to Galilee, and they travel through Samaria, and they're tired and hot. They're hungry and thirsty. It's noontime. And the disciples say to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, we're going to go hang out in town. Maybe go and check out In-N-Out Burger and get some grinds. You want to join us, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no way, In-N-Out Burger. But my church has a 40-day fast, and I'm fasting from, from burgers. Bummer. But you know what? You guys go along. You guys go along. Watch this closely. Jesus could have stayed in his circle of comfort. But instead, Jesus decides, I'm going to peel away from my circle of comfort for a bit. And then Jesus notices a Samaritan woman in the zone of the unknown. And so Jesus leaves his circle of comfort, takes a walk across the room, if you will, and enters the zone of the unknown. Jesus could have stayed in his circle of comfort with the guys, enjoy some air conditioning and some in and out burger. But instead, Jesus leaves his circle of comfort, takes a walk across to the other side of the well, and engages this Samaritan woman in conversation. I encourage you to read the rest of the story at home. It's a beautiful story. And you'll discover that as Jesus engages with this woman in rich and meaningful conversation regarding living water, this woman's life is forever changed. She's introduced to the God who created her, who loves her, and who has a purpose for her life. It's a beautiful story. Check it out at home this week. Number three on your outline is simply this. Just walk. Just walk. And you might be asking, why should I? Why should I just walk across the room? Why should I leave my circle of comfort? 
Why should I enter the zone of the unknown? Why should I? Why should I just walk across the room? Because over 2,000 years ago, someone walked across the room for you. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about this with me. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are relating beautifully in their circle of comfort, if you will. They are having this tight and deep communion with each other. They're having this intimate and perfect fellowship one with another. But Jesus has his eye on you. And Jesus leaves his circle of comfort and he walks across the cosmos for you. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus' walk across the room. In Philippians chapter 2, this is what the Apostle Paul says about Jesus' walk across the cosmos. It says this. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Jesus had his eye on you. And Jesus left his circle of comfort and he took a walk. He took a walk across the cosmos for you. And he died a painful, a brutal, a humiliating death on the cross so that you might receive the single greatest gift, his son, Jesus Christ. That's why you should walk across the room. Because Jesus walked across the room for you. And so you should walk across the room so that someone else might receive this single greatest gift. So someone else might be introduced to the God who created them, who loves them, and who has a purpose for their lives. 